Powerful Word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope your team won yesterday. Nothing like stirring the hornet's nest, right? <laughs> Who is your team? Oh, Brother Tom's back this week. It's going to get ugly today. He'll probably throw for five, six hundred yards a day just because. Any given Sunday. <laughs> I have a book I want to give you. It's, it's titled, What's Next? They're on the little table there by my office door. Um, it's a book that I wrote along with my friend Nelson Searcy and edited by Mark Barrier. I'll give credit to wherever, wherever it needs to go. What I have always wanted was a tool that I could put into someone's hands when they became a Christian because the best the most important question that somebody asks when they become a Christian is, what's next? What do I go now? Here it is. So you don't have to tell them, just hand them the book. No. <laughs> so I want you all to have one. Okay, they're back there. If I run out, I've got more. But if you, if you don't mind, if you want one, take it. It's yours. If you don't want one, that's fine. But if you need to scare your cats off or whatever at your house, just turn it over and show them the picture on the back. That should take care of it. It scares my family every time they look at it. So, Anyway, uh, it's a great book. It's full of good information to help you get your faith started um, or keep it, keep it going, whatever the case may be. All right. Most of the time, we waste our words. Is that true? We do. We use our words in, in such a way that they impact or they have little impact. We have seen this week in the presidential race words shared 20 years ago can evidently still have relevance today. Are you the same as you were 20 years ago? I hope not. Do you make some of the same choices you did 20 years ago? I hope not. If you had a problem with words 20 years ago, maybe you've figured that out. But I've always contended, if you want your whole life filleted in front of everyone, run for public office. Now, I'm not trying to defend anybody. I'm just simply making a point. We all have said things we wish we hadn't said. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Last week, <laughs> we said some things we wish we hadn't said. So words are powerful. That's our series. We finished it today, the Tongue Pierced series. And today I want to just talk to you about words that last. Words that last. And we need to remember that our words are powerful. A few years ago, 
uh, a study was conducted by the Air Force that showed that the average person forgets 90 to 95 percent of what they hear within 72 hours of having heard it. So what that means is, by Wednesday, you're only going to remember 5% of what I tell you this morning. Isn't that exciting? You're going to sit through this and go, only go home with 5% of it? Seems like a waste for all of us, doesn't it? Now you're talking. That's the reason I hand you these sermon notes. Some, a person has told me, said, well, I don't like to fill in the blanks. I understand that. But the reason we hand this to you is so that maybe, maybe... Down the road, something will trigger the message, and you can go back and find this stuck in your Bible somewhere. Okay? I would even encourage you to get a little notebook and punch holes in it and stick it in there. You just never know when you're going to need this. But that's the, that's the reason we do these every week. It's not just so that I'll have something to do. I mean, we, just, we need to make copies of this every week, right? Nope. Want it so that you can have it to learn from it and remember. Because we, we forget so much. We do. I just I, I was staggered by that statistic that 95% of what I'm going to say to you today is not even going to be with you on Wednesday. Think about what you say. See, that happens to you too. Except you believe that your words are more profound than that. Sometimes it's better to write them in a book. <laughs> Because then you can go back and find it and get to it. All right? So I want you to think about the words that you've uh, spoken in your past. And I want you to think about words especially that have been spoken to you. So on the front of your uh, message notes, there's a box there that says, Words that have impacted my life. Words that have impacted my life. So I want to give you just a couple of moments, uh, literally, literally just about two minutes and you'll think it's forever. But I want you to take two minutes, and I want you to write in that box some words that people have shared with you over the years that have impacted you in a positive way. Words that have impacted you. And then kind of put a dash in who, who said that to you. So write it down, and uh, see if you can do that. Hey, Jeff, in, uh, see if you can find that Jeopardy theme song in uh, iTunes. And let's, just, let's play that while they're doing it. Or just have you whistle it. There you go. There you go. What do you say? There you go. There you go. Did you used to get one thing written down? Okay. Because it's important that we don't forget, and most of the time we don't forget, words that have been shared with us that are positive. I guarantee you, Stacy will always remember Logan's prayer when he was five years old. She'll never forget it. She'll be an old woman of 102, and she said, remember when my son prayed this prayer? I bet she still remembers it, like it was yesterday. Because you see, that's how powerful words are. They're powerful, aren't they? 
So, glad you wrote some things down. Jesus also sent, gave us some great words. I've got three verses there on the front uh, under that box. Let's take a look at those. Matthew 7. Uh, Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount and after He's taught. And He said in verses 28 through 29, After Jesus finished teaching, the crowds were amazed at His teaching. For He taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. <laughs> Jesus taught in such a way that you would be amazed by His teaching. So underline that, amazed by His teaching. Because that's an important thing to remember about words is that they can amaze you. They can amaze you. And I like the fact that he taught in such a way that unlike the teachers of religious law who just went on and on and on and on and on. It's kind of like professors in college. Ecclesiastes says the reading of many books is wearisome to the body. Yes. That was my catch word. That was my phrase in college. I kept quoting it to Mark Barrier, who in turn would give us more assignments to read because he was that way. Why aren't you laughing? That's kind of a funny thing. See, words don't mean much. You're going to forget about it. Uh huh. It was the truth. And so they, didn't, they, they weren't used to that. Excellent. Excellent observation. Very good. You get a star today. Good job. Okay, let's look at the next one. Luke 24. They said to each other, uh, Didn't our hearts grow strangely warm as he talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? So he's on the, road, the two guys are on the road to Emmaus. And look at that. Underline that. Hearts feel strangely warm as he talked. Wow. Hey, haven't you been reading the Bible sometime and it just, just kind of gets you, doesn't it? Just kind of gets you. In, a, in a, such a very warm and loving and gracious way, it just grabs you. And other times I read it and it goes like that. But there's times when I read it and I'm just so encouraged by those words that just flow from the Word of God right into my heart. Right into my heart. I love Aaron Hearn. I love him a lot. Aaron has a real knack for finding a song that will really stir your heart. And he'll, he'll uh, text those to me or email them to me periodically. And every time he does, I stop what I'm doing and I listen to the song. Because I believe that God is sending a message in that song to me because he sent it to him. And he wanted to share it with me, so I know that it's impacted his heart. I bet it impacts mine every time it does. He led me on to the song, God, When God Ran, and I thought, what? But I listened to the song, and it's, it's when, when I was in pain, when I was hurting the most, God ran to me. Isn't that a great picture? That's a great picture of the God that loves you and me so much, he's going to run and care for us. Wow, that's amazing. So words impact. And then the last one is Matthew 12. Uh, and I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day of every idle word that you speak. Well, that's, a, mm, that's one of those <laughs> verses. The words you say now reflect your faith then. 
Either you'll be justified by them or you'll be condemned. Well, that's a powerful verse of Scripture. It's loaded. It's loaded. So underline the phrase, must give an account. See, we're held accountable for what we say and what we do. Our tendency is to blame anyone else. Amen? Something happens, it's somebody else's fault. I'm never going to take responsibility. During a political season, you see that all the time. It's not my responsibility. So it's refreshing if somebody really messes up, that they come out and say, you know what? I'm sorry I did that. But there needs to be some sincerity behind that, doesn't there? I'm really sorry for what I've done. I'm really, I've grown. I've changed. I've made some difference. I'm doing things differently than I used to. And your life should be able to demonstrate that. People ought to notice if you're doing things differently than you used to. So I want to give you real quickly five ways that you can use your words to impact eternity. Number one, my words change eternity when I use them to encourage someone who is struggling. One of the best ways we can use our words to change the reality or the perception of reality of someone around us is to use them to encourage them. Do you remember a little phrase that President Roosevelt spoke back in 1933? If I started, I bet you can finish it. The only thing we have to fear... There was a time. The Great Depression was in the midst of the Great Depression. The country didn't know which way to go, what way to do. People were concerned. There was great fear, much like you feel today. I'm being told on the national television that the economy is robust and everyone's doing better than they've ever done. I guess he skipped my house and went to my neighbor. This is the greatest time to live. Fear is, is non-existent. Non-existent? Really? Well, they stopped. This administration currently has stopped the Iran from building a nuclear wa- a bomb. Really? Man, I didn't know all that. But the country needed to hear from... President Roosevelt. They needed to hear words of encouragement, so he spoke them at his inauguration. That phrase was used. It instituted what was called the fireside chats, and he used that to encourage people on a regular basis, especially going through World War II. I remember reading a story of a friend of mine, his wife's grandmother told the story in 1946 as World War II was drawing to an end. Everyone learned that President Roosevelt had died. His grandmother tells the story of collapsing and just crying in tears. She never once had seen a picture of the face of President Roosevelt. She'd only heard his voice. And that voice carried such power and encouragement. And you see, that's what happens when people speak powerful, positive Encouraging things into our life. It affects us. You can tell a child, you're the greatest kid in the world. You've got nothing but great potential. God loves you. God cares for you. Or you can say, you stupid brat. Keep your mouth shut. Get over in that corner and hush. Who's going to respond best? This one. This one's going to produce. What's this one going to do? Go to prison. Because you've set them up to do that. 
<coughs> so we have to be very, very careful about our words. Look at the verse there, Romans 1.12. I am eager to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to encourage to be encouraged by yours. In this way, each of us will be a blessing to each other. Oh, wow. So when you see each other, say, man, how are you doing in the Lord? Man, it's good to see you. It's great to see you. I think that's why I love the little hug and howdy thing. Some of you, you have taken it way too far. Some of you, you got to get to everybody. I just want you to hug one or two, go back to your seat, and let's get on with it, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, it won't work that way. If you're in that corner, you want to make sure you get to this corner. If you're in this corner, you want to, you know, it's just in between. <clears throat> I love the little guys. They just love to hug everybody, don't they? Isn't it fun? It's just fun. So we've got to be encouragers to one another. It's, off, it's hard sometimes because we may not be having a good day. Let's be honest. We might be having one of those knockdown drag out days. And it's hard to find an encouraging word when you yourself are struggling that day. Amen? <clears throat> but we need to find them. We need to find them. Because it's very important that the, those words get shared in a positive way. Let's go to the second way you can use words to change eternity. And that is confront someone who is being unjust. Confront someone who is being unjust. Dr. Martin Luther King <clears throat> stood up in Washington and he said four words. You know what they are? I have a dream. That speech changed this country. Changed him and changed a lot of people. <clears throat> I have a dream. I love the section. He says... I pray that we will find a way to look at a man's, the content of a man's character than the color of his skin. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Quit seeing color. I don't see it. You don't need to see it. And what we've got going on today is, is it's um, terrible. But I'm a white man. I don't understand what black children and black teenagers have gone through. I don't understand that. It's been ugly. But I'm sure glad that Jesus died for all of us. I'm so grateful that Jesus died for all of us. I'll wait again. I'm, st I'm so grateful that Jesus died for all of us. Good. That's one of those words I hope you remember. But Martin Luther King, he fought against injustice. Now, he was beaten up pretty bad. I mean, it doesn't, you just got to read history and you'll see it. He got beat up real bad. And eventually got killed. There's no doubt about it. Somebody killed him. That's what happens if you share positive things and you try to promote change. Why, the greatest person who brought change to this world, we killed him too. <laughs> That's how they thought they would shut him up, is that, well, we'll just kill him. But it didn't shut up, did it? <laughs> 1963, he shared that, that speech. <clears throat> and his words have never been forgotten. <clears throat> In 1987, Ronald Reagan stood at the Berlin Wall and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You remember it? <clears throat> 
And what made that profound was, he's standing in front of the wall, says, tear it down, because there's people on the other side who are ready to be free. <clears throat> I, remember the, I remember vividly the pictures of people taking sledgehammers to that wall and knocking it down. Wow. That was monumental, wasn't it? Monumental. What words are we hearing today from great men and women? Are they these kind of words? Let's look at First Thessalonians, First Corinthians, thirteen six. It says, "Love is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out." I was struck by the the. Actually, I was just literally struck by when the coach said, "Do you guys not understand what I'm telling you to do?" And they looked at him like, "Man, we don't have a clue." Either they didn't have a clue or they were afraid to say because they were going to be wrong. Hey, I say say it even if it's wrong. At least let me know you're tuned in, okay? Say it. And that's what this is talking about. When you're walking down the street and you see some injustice, say something. If you see somebody being beat up on the street, at least try to stop them. Well, they'll shoot me. You're going to heaven anyway. What difference does it make? I mean, really, isn't that right? Well, they'll sue me for interfering. Okay. Whatever. Do we just let it keep going? No, we don't. No, we don't. It's like the, the rescue worker in Samaria, I mean in Syria, that found the baby. Did you, have you ever seen that on TV? He's crying. Because he's holding this baby that's still alive that shouldn't have should, for three days, two or three days that baby laid in that rubble and they found the baby, they brought the baby out and the baby was alive and this guy's crying because he's holding a live baby in his hands. Wow, that's what I'm talking about. If you find somebody not showing love and the power of God in your life, stand stand up for him. Stand up for them. It'll be good for you to do that. Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say. And when God brings an injustice to your attention, it breaks your heart, do something about it. Don't just let it go. Stand up and say something. Number three, my words change eternity when I use them to express love to someone I care about. Now that sounds pretty simple. But we need to understand it doesn't happen naturally. You have to be intentional about using your words to express love to the people you care about the most. Have you ever caught yourself wanting to say something that you knew was not going to come out correctly and were able to bridle it and stop it? Yeah. Later, that's, that's a profound thing that you've done. <laughs> I've used, I'm usually on the other side. I usually have got it coming out and there's just enough that's come out that I can't I've got to finish what I'm saying and then you're trying to you're trying to get it to come back damage is done you can see it in the face of the person that you said it to I used I, I still catch myself using sarcasm at times when I need to stop doing that I'll say you're just a nodhead teenager I've planted a negative seed in your life. I need to say, man, I'm so glad to see you. I'd be a whole lot better than your own knothead teenager. Yeah, I just need to put my arm around and say, you know, I'm glad to see you today. How you doing, man? You doing okay? How you doing, girl? 
I like to hug Tegan. I just hug her waist. That's all I do. I hug her waist. And she puts her arm on top of my head. I'm okay, preacher. I'm okay. <clears throat> That's a tall girl now. But I just love her heart, don't you? Just love her heart. University of Denver did a study on married couples during their first decade of marriage, and they, they made an important discovery. Among couples who ended up having successful marriages and who ended up staying together for the long haul found that only five out of every 100 comments made were negative put-downs. Only five out of 100. So in the first decade, it was proved that marriage that's going to last is a marriage where in the first 10 years of that marriage, only five out of every 100 comments to your spouse would be a negative comment. But among the couples who later split up, 10 out of every 100, twice as many comments were insults. So over the second decade of marriage, they found that couples uh, heading for divorce were flinging five times as many cruel and belittling comments as the couples who made it. The study concluded this, Hostile put-downs act as cancerous cells that, if unchecked, erode the relationship over time. Really? So rather than saying, why don't you do that? 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 Why don't you say, my gosh, I'm so proud of you. You're one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. I love you more than I could ever love anybody. Wow! Those are powerful words, aren't they? You're going to remember either way. You're going to remember either way. I, don't, I can't remember my dad ever in my 14 years of life before he died ever saying any word that was positive. Ever in 14 years of my life. I cannot tell you that he shared a positive word with me. I can tell you all the words that he shared with me that weren't positive. Because they leave an impact too. Amen? So... Make sure you're picking your right words. It's real important. Don't, don't mess around. And that really happens in church. We've got to be very careful. We've got to be very careful. Okay? We've got to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Hey, we deserve that, you know. I mean, hey, we play the old Ohio State fight song. We've got to listen to the eyes of Texas or, or whatever that was coming up. The eyes were on somebody yesterday. Amen. Probably TU. They shouldn't have won that game. It's really important that we share these good words. So let me ask you a couple things. What are the last words that the people you care about the most will hear you say? I read a story this week about a granddad who was, and a grandma, they were, and this, this the grandson was watching, you know, watching them, and the grandmother was getting mad at the granddad. He wasn't doing something the right way, and she was telling him about it. And she said, oh, man, are you listening to me? And this grandson telling the story said, granddad walked over to her and grabbed her by the shoulders, dipped her back, and kissed her on the mouth. And then he held her up and he said, I hear you, dear, I hear you. She said, wow, old man, I guess I love you more every day than I should. Sometimes you just got to take even the negative word and turn it. Amen? You can do that. You can do that. Look at our verse, John 
Dear children, let us stop saying, just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. Man, that's, yes, yes, yes. Well, I don't want to wash his clothes anymore. Okay? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to cook dinner tonight. Okay? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Okay. Take turns. Starve. Okay. The last time I looked, I could miss a meal or two. I guarantee it. I'll bet you I can get up and find something to eat. Bet you I have, too. I love the little story where the uh, dad is sitting at dinner table and the little boy was watching. Mom brings out the uh, main entree as a little piece of meat. And it was burned. He ate every bite of it. And he said, honey, that's probably the best piece of meat I've had in years. And so mom goes back in the kitchen with a smile on her face. And the little boy says, dad, that didn't look like it was very good at all. He said, well, son, I'm telling you right now that your mom had a rough day. And she did the best. She got home late and she did the best she could to get her dinner ready. And who am I to complain? Who am I to complain? He said it was fabulous. Taught that boy a great lesson, didn't he? So you see, words are important. Number four, my words can change eternity when I use them to introduce someone to Jesus. Now I've got in there in your outline your story. Luke fifteen ten says, There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. If you've never learned how to tell your story, Here's the three-step process. My life before Jesus. My decision to follow Jesus. And then my life since I found Him. My life with Jesus. Very important that you develop this story. I tell people, when you do this, be able to share it in two minutes or less. Don't go on for days about your story. Don't talk about your drug-addicted life that you rode a Harley for 29 years and you're only 25, but you've ridden a Harley for 29 years and you've been through every drug rehab there is in America. Nobody wants to hear that. Just simply say, I've made some bad choices in my past. That sums up your past, doesn't it? Because they were all about your choices. You made them, they were bad. But one day I found Jesus. And you, you, might, you might tell a little bit about that. I was in a church service or I was out on the side of a mountain. and I don't know. You found Jesus. And then I want to tell you what my life's been like ever since. Here's how I used to be, but here's how I am now. And you know what? If they really know you, they're going to understand what you just said. Because they're going to see you the way you are now. Amen? So, it's important that you do that. So, here's your homework. Go home and write your story. And, and send me an email this week and tell me your story. Send me an email and tell me your story this week. And I'll help you. We'll, we'll make that story so powerful that you'll, you'll be able to share that in two minutes or less. So there's your challenge. Take it home. Fill out your story. And then send it back to me so I can, so I can work with you on that. Okay? So it's right there in your notes. You don't say, well, I can't remember what he said. It's right there. I know you're going to forget 95% of what I say, so it's right there. So go back and email me. Let me know 
what you think. Acts 20, there's another great verse in there. Did I, yeah, down at the bottom. Great verse. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it uh, to do the good work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Wow. And that work is the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. So, by way of review, my words change eternity when I use them to encourage someone who's struggling, when I use them to confront someone who's being unjust, when I use them to express love to someone I care about, and when I use them to introduce someone to Jesus. And the last, number five, finally, my words change eternity when I use them to say yes or no to Jesus. Well, that sounds awful simple, doesn't it? But the most important words that you will ever utter are the words that will be spoken to bring the biggest impact into their life for eternity, and that is if they're going to answer and how they're going to answer the question, what are you going to do with Jesus? Yes or no? If they say yes, hallelujah. If they say no, how sad that is. Go back to your knees and keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. Look at Romans 10.9. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Underline that phrase. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's very important. Especially today in this day and age. Because you and I are being told that we can't talk about Jesus. Back in the late 80's I was asked to speak at a commencement service in Denver, Colorado at a high school. I had to meet with the principal and superintendent before I spoke. They wanted my speech in manuscript so they could read it to okay it or not. They told me, they said, there's two things. You can't mention God and you can't read from the Bible. Okay. They said, okay. I said, sure, okay. Here we go. I stood up in my speech and I said, A wise man once said... And then I quoted the Scripture. If I'd have used King James, they'd all known what I was talking about. But I quoted Scripture. And you know what? That's an amazing time. And we were able to do some amazing things with that, with that speech. So see, don't get so fired up that, well, you mean I can't swear God? Just say, okay. Okay. For 23 seasons, for 22 seasons... I've been the unofficial chaplain of the football team in Jinx. People in the stands believe that's what I do. They think I'm paid to be there. I love it. When Trimble was going to retire, one lady found me at, at, at Mazio's and she said, Are you quitting too? I said, Quitting what? She said, Well, Trimble's quitting. Are you quitting? I said, Well, I hadn't planned on it. She said, Well, you can't quit. I said, What do you mean I can't quit? She said, You can't quit. You've got to still be there. I'm not even official. What do you mean i got to be there? What we do sometimes is against the law if somebody wants to you know, do it the way they want to do it. But we're taking every opportunity to do what God's called us to do. Let's do that. Amen? And I'm not saying bring your Bible, your 10-pound Bible, and beat people up at work. I'm not saying that at all. But during your break times, during your lunch hour, hey, what's wrong with having a 15-minute... A little study and prayer time, devotional time. There you go. There you go. So we've got to be ready to confess our, our, our sins and, and know what God is saying to us. Matthew 12, Every sin of blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit which 
can never be forgiven. Anyone who blasphemes against me, the Son of Man, can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. Now you might say, well, what is that sin? It's not a sin, it's a lifestyle. That's what it is. It's a lifestyle. And trust me, if you'll open your eyes, you're seeing it more today than I've ever seen it. People outwardly saying God doesn't exist, God does God is no of no value. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, there's going to come a day. Amen. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Even poor old Donald Trump will have to finally get on his knees and say, Jesus is Lord. Sister Hillary will, for the first time, tell the truth in her life. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Every news outlet will have to say, Jesus is Lord. Oprah will have to say, Jesus is Lord. All the Hollywood actors and actresses will have to say, Jesus is Lord. Right? <laughs> it's going to be a fun day, isn't it? Because they don't, they, they don't know Him the way you and I know Him. There's three choices that we have when it comes to Jesus. Either he was a lunatic, he was crazy for claiming what he did. Number two, he was the greatest con man who's ever lived, and he's still pulling the wool over over the eyes of people over 2,000 years later. Or number three, he is who he said he was, God's Son who came to save the world. That's our choices. You decide. Make your words last. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for these that are here, and I pray a special blessing and anointing upon their life. Father, as we sing this hymn of invitation, would you be very real to them, very real to each of us. And Father, would we sense in you, sense in you, a connection. Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and today, if there's somebody that needs to make a decision, would they do it as we stand and sing this great song of faith in Jesus' name. Amen.